All right. Are you all ready for the Bible this morning? All right. A little enthusiasm in this spirit filled church. All right. I'm going to open up this morning with reading a scripture to you out of Mark chapter six and verse eight. Mark six, eight says this. These were his instructions. This is Jesus's instructions to the twelve he sent out. He says, take nothing for the journey except a staff. Would you say the word staff? Staff. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Nothing. Take nothing but a staff. Let's pray. Father, we love you today and thank you for your word and the authority that is in your word. And uh, we thank you for your ability by your Holy Spirit to speak to every single one of us. And I just pray for that right now, Lord, that you would speak to each of us as you're speaking to all of us. And I pray for the wisdom and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to share, God, what's in your heart today. We love you and uh, we thank you for your word and its authority in our lives. Lord, our ears are open, our hearts are open. Speak. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the Old Testament, in Exodus 3 and 4, the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt, and God called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses was um, definitely a reluctant leader. He really didn't want the call. He came up with a whole bunch of excuses of why maybe he shouldn't be the right guy, had a lot of questions. And every time he had a question, the Lord had an answer for him. And uh, finally, one of the things that he said to him, he says, like, well, what if they just don't even believe that you sent me? And I want to read that part to you. This is Exodus 4.1. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Just pause for a second. Would that freak you out? That would freak me out. Uh, you know, I'm not even that scared of snakes. That would freak me out. He ran from it. That'd be a gr- I can't wait to see that video. Right? He throws it. Ah! Um, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. I'd be like, you take it by the tail. <laughs> so the Lord reached out, or excuse me, Moses reached out, and he took hold of the snake, and he t- it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This is going to be proof, this miraculous sign that God had appeared to him. It's interesting that the Lord says to him, what is in your hand? You all know that any time the Lord asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know. You're not like reporting new information to him. He wants you to know what's in your hand, right? So he says, what's in your hand? And and it's a staff, of course. And uh, I really believe that the Lord in that moment could have used anything that was in his hand at that moment. It didn't matter if it was a staff. It could have been his cell phone. It could have been his car keys, his Starbucks cup. It could have been a paintbrush. I mean, I think whatever was in his hand in that moment, the Lord could have used. And um, there's this underlying principle that oftentimes we're seeking the Lord and he'll say, you already have what you need. It's already in your hand. And so the Lord gives Moses this miraculous sign with this staff. And, you know, a staff was a very common tool in that time. Every shepherd would definitely have one. And it was like it was like the multi-tool, 
right? Like you came up with all kinds of ways that you could use this this staff. You could count sheep. You would hold it out and the sheep would pass under and you would use it to count your sheep. Um, you would use it to beat back enemies that would come against your livestock. Um, you would use it to correct your own livestock. You would carry things like tie stuff on it, carry stuff with it. Um, and a staff was like a very individual and personal kind of implement like it was yours like your hand had a feel on it right it was like like a good pair of shoes like that you're really comfortable with how many of y'all you don't like changing out your shoes because you know it's like i just got these broke in and now i got to change my shoes or or gloves that fit you really well like a, a staff was very personal and individual and the person who was carrying a staff it represented uh, in, in a sense, their own identity and who they were. And it also represented their own realm of authority and who they were and what, what they were responsible for. But now, Moses' staff, which is such a common thing, it represented God's authority in and through his life. And it re- represented Moses' identity as a man of God and with this authority. And so Moses would then, with his staff, He would lead the people out of Egypt. And Pharaoh, who was the wicked ruler in Egypt, it took a lot. You can read it through Exodus 3, 4, and and beyond. Um, All the the squabble and back and forth till finally Pharaoh's like, let them all go. And he's let them all go. And these millions of people are leaving Egypt. And they come up to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh has this change of heart. He's like, no, I ain't letting those jokers go. And he sends his army after them. And so then you've got... The Red Sea, you got Moses and the people of God who were just slaves. They're not exactly warriors, right? And the, the uh, enemy's army coming up against them. I mean, like talking about being between a rock and a hard place, right? Like they are in between a sea and an enemy. And so they start crying out to the Lord. And this is what it says in Exodus fourteen fifteen. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> Well, because this enemy is coming after me and there's a Red Sea there, like, that's why I'm crying out to you. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the, the Israelites to move on. Raise your, what? Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And so the army pursues them. Moses has got his staff. He raises his staff in his hands. And sure enough, the Red Sea opens up and they're passing through. The army starts coming after him. And the Lord says, now put your hand over this sea. And the sea collapses, and their enemies are destroyed. Y'all, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? So when the enemy came, he uses his staff and it opened up a way for him. We fast forward. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, the Amalekites, who were enemies of Israel, come against them. And I'm going to read this to you, 17.8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephtim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the what? With the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. As long as Moses held up in his hands, what was in his hands? The staff, right? The Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew, uh, grew tired, 
they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is a pretty cool picture. So the Amalekites are coming against, the enemies are coming against God's people. And Moses says, Joshua, take the army, go out and fight. Me, Aaron, and her, we're going up on the hill. He goes up on the hill and he lifts up his staff, the staff of God, the sign of his authority and identity. And he, as long as he's got it up, they are winning. But of course, his arms start getting tired. And when his arms drop, the Amalekites start winning. And Aaron and her, they said, Okay, now we need to help. We're going to be your staff. And they, they got a, a rock under him. They sat Moses down. It was pretty smart, right? And they, they held up the rod on one side and the other. And sure enough, as they held up the rod, they won this battle. See, Moses, what he did in this battle is he took a posture of authority when the enemies were attacking him. It's like that song that's out today. Not today, Satan. Not today. You ever have one of those days? We're like, oh, no. Not today. You know, you got a little bit of attitude in you, a little bit. Of, no, no. Moses, like in this situation, he knew exactly what to do. He said, you go out and fight. I'm going up on the hill. Here's our authority. Our authority comes from the Lord and our God is going to help us win. And he lifts up and stands in that place of authority. And sure enough, they have victory. You know, in each of our lives, God has already given us authority in specific realms. In your family, you already have authority. When you go to, uh, into your home, you already have authority. Like, you don't have to wonder whose authority. If you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and you've brought your life into submission of him and said, Jesus, you're my God, I'm following after you. In these, there are realms that you don't even have to wonder if you have authority. You have authority in your home. You have authority in your workplace. You have authority in your service within the church or leadership in the church. Like There are a bunch of areas where you don't even have to ask the question. You already have authority. There is a staff Already in your hand. Did you know that in those areas, there are times when what the Lord wants you to do is he wants you to take authority. I don't mean like you're making stuff up, but I mean like you're not doubting the fact that the enemy is, has no right over the people in your home, the property in your home, who you are in your workplace. And that there, You don't have to wonder about that authority. So that when pressure comes and into our lives, and a lot of times the first thing we think is, God, save me, right? And there are times when he says, listen, I want you to take your staff and lift it up in the air. I want you to take authority. I want you to not, to not just cry out to me. Now, don't get me wrong. We're always able to cry out to, to the Lord. Like prayer is all throughout the Bible. We should cry out. But there's times when he turns to us and he says, I want you to... To, to lift up your staff. I want you to speak after me. It reminds me of when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and the storm was, was, out, was there over them. And Jesus is just sawing logs, just sleeping in the boat. Remember the story? And they're all like, we're going to die. We're going to die. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. He gets up pretty much frustrated then, commands the wind and the waves to stop. And he's like, why didn't you just do that? And they're like, well, because you're here. You do that. And he said, I want you to do that. 
See, there are moments in our lives where the Lord says, I want you to speak after me and speak in the authority that I have given you. I remember there was a, a time earlier this year where it was in the spring where there's just a lot of good things happening around us as a church family. People were receiving Jesus and people were being baptized and people are experiencing that life change and just their day-to-day lives and we were seeing victories and there's just and projects were fruitful and we had made some big decisions and it was like things just are leaning forward and I was just so thankful. And then all of the sudden, I just sensed like this pressure come on my life. It was like a light switch. And it, it, the way I would describe it is it's like you feel this, just, just like somebody hit a switch. And I felt absolutely just resisted. Like all of a sudden, I went from no win to a headwind. It just pushing. And I was just like, what? What is going on? And so I did what you would expect me to do. I cried out, Lord, help me. What is going on? You know, I just cried out to the Lord, just seeking the Lord. Lord. And I started to ask him questions because, you know, sometimes the enemy will come against you when good stuff's happening. Right. And he kind of wants to undermine some fruit or undermine some progress or maybe take some or maybe something about good is about to happen. He wants to, you know, maybe undermine that. And so I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, is it this that's good happening? This that's good happen? Is it this that we're about to do that's good? happen? Is it this? You know, I, I'm just saying, Lord, what is it? And the Lord just said, yes. It's all that. Oh. <laughs> and I was seeking the Lord. And just saying, God, just show me what you want me to do. Show me who you want me to be. You know, because I, just in life, I, I know the enemy doesn't win. And it breaks. It always breaks. The question is the how and the when, and what's the disposition the Lord wants you to have, right? One Sunday afternoon, again, this is in the spring, Elizabeth and I, we were... We had a good long day. It was a Sunday, and we had several meetings after church and things. And we were wrapping things up and getting close to the end of the day. And uh, I got a call from Rusha Mullins, and she said, um, Pastor Mike, my dad made something for you. And can I bring it to you? I, and I really feel like God like put it in his heart to make this thing for you. And I said, well, yeah, Rusha. I said, Elizabeth and I are going to get home about 630 from where they were. Why don't you just meet us there? She said, okay, and so we get there, and Rusha says, Pastor Mike, like, the Lord told me, told my dad to make this thing for you, and at first he didn't make it for you, and then he just felt compelled to the Lord, like, you've got to make this for Pastor Mike, and he said, so he made it, and she pulls out of her car this, and she says, I'm thinking this has some kind of meaning to you, <laughs> and pulls out this beautiful staff that her dad had made it's uh, made out of poplar and apparently the what happens is a vine will grow up in it and around it and uh, he'll find something like this cut it and clean it all out and i mean there's enough lacquer on this thing that i mean golly i think it's an inch of lacquer it feels i mean it's beautiful and she handed she gave it to me she says i think this probably means something to you and i looked at her and i said i know exactly what it means it was like the word of the Lord delivered to me in an implement. And I thanked her. I called John and I thanked him. And 
And it was like the Lord was saying, I want you to speak to the storm. I want you to speak in authority. You know, there's this interesting tension in our lives because we have nothing without the Lord. Amen. And yet the Lord will call us into places and say, now I want you to speak the words and I want you to operate in authority. And, you know, sometimes we can go, but, but Lord, I just want to ask you to do it. You do it. And I'll just pray and say, you'd be great job. But, you know, there's, there's something in our design that's very intentional that God wants us to um, be a principal part of his kingdom, not just in his kingdom. And that there are times when, yeah, we cry out to the Lord, but then there's times when we speak out. And when we speak after the Lord, there's times when the Lord says, I want you to say it now. I want you to speak it now. And, you know, the way that this is kind of translated in my life, you know, I've had other times where the Lord has kind of given me this kind of word. Is Now I've got this great thing, you know, when I'm praying on a, in a morning, there'll be times when I'm praying for you or I'm praying for my household or I'm praying for someone who's sick or something that's going on. And I'll grab my staff and I'll be on my front porch. I love my front porch because it's hollow underneath. You know, it doesn't take much. Boom, boom, you know, boom. And, and, and so I'll just and I'll pray that prayer. And then there's other times when I'm in my prayer time where I set that aside and I say, this is just my being with my father time and worshiping God and honoring him. And I think what God wants in our lives is he wants that healthy both. There's times when you don't need the staff in your hand. You just need to be with Jesus. Just worship God and honor him and be in his presence. But then there's times when he say, hey, when you pray that prayer, I want you to pray it like you mean it. I don't mean like dramatic, like the louder you shout, the more the devil hears it. Like that's not really about that. It's about the sincerity and the earnestness with which the conviction that it comes forth and how you speak it more is more important than the drama of it all. I think sometimes the enemy honestly wants to get us all spun up and, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, no, all I have to do is tell you and you got to go. Speak it and you got to go. Moms and dads and, you know, in your own household, there's an authority that you already have in your life. In realms of your life that you don't have to wonder, you just have to walk in it. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about where this authority comes from. We're going to read to you out of Colossians 2.13. Because where our authority comes from gives us confidence as we operate in it. First, or excuse me, Colossians 2.13 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the what? To the cross. Y'all, at the cross, Jesus accomplished so much. And the first half of this is saying, your sin, your shame, your past, everything, Jesus has taken care of all of these things on the cross. But then it goes on further and says what else was accomplished. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, it's talking about demonic presences and powers and things like that. He made a, spect- a public spectacle of them, 
triumphing over them by the cross. This scripture is basically saying, it's done. It's finished. The enemy has lost. The, the war has already been won. The enemy is swinging on his way down, not up. And his future is already determined. And so any pressure that you feel, anything, like he is fighting literally a losing battle. Do you all follow that? And our confidence doesn't come in our personal identity, who we are, how much scripture we've memorized. It doesn't come in how spiritual we are, how good we've been this week. It doesn't come from the hours of prayer or not of prayer that you've spent. Our confidence comes in the one that we serve and the one that we follow, that Jesus on the cross has already won. That when he said it was finished, it's finished. We've won. Do you all believe that this morning? How do you like that? How do you like the fact that you can get up and pray a prayer knowing we've already won? That the end is already written. Isn't that good? Doesn't that embolden you and give you strength and, and just give you just a, an emboldening within your own spirit? So, so what does it look like to operate in the authority of the Lord? To, to put that staff... In your hand. Well, the reality is we speak after the Lord. We speak after his will. And so what we do is we look in the word and we say, God, what's in your heart? Well, our God's heart is a heart of a he, he, he heals and he restores and he sets free and he protects and he watches over. And so we have confidence in the Lord because of what his word says. Right. And then. When we're operating in authority, it's not complicated. I mentioned before, like, it's not really the drama. It's really the conviction and the, earn, the earnestness of heart that says, enemy, you got to go. I love the scripture in James chapter 4. It says, verse 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a beautiful picture. See, our submission to God has us under his authority. What's cool about this verse is, in this verse, all you're doing is resisting. Like, you ain't even swinging. Resist the enemy, and he will flee. One of the things that I have found is, when the enemy comes to buffet, and the enemy comes to frustrate, and the enemy comes to oppress, and that same picture of that pressure on your life, if every time he does this, it causes you to worship and honor God and tell, tell the enemy to go, he'll do less of it. Because he doesn't want to bring worship out of you. He doesn't want to bring the authority of the Lord out of you. That's a... That's not a motivation of his. He's trying to um, undermine your fruit, not create any fruit. I like to make him pay. One of the ways that I love to pray when I know the enemy is, is, is pressing against and I don't like giving much airtime to the enemy. I don't think he's worth it. Our, our focus is on the Lord. When, when the enemy comes against, I ask God to give me fruit and souls. Like I feel like it's the ultimate price that he has to pay. Jesus, let more people come to know you. Let more people come to know and hear the gospel. Let people know what you're doing and what your heart is. So it's important for you 
in that when it, when it comes to operating in that way, to know where are your realms of authority. Again, there's a lot of them that you don't even have to question. You can just move in them. In your home, by golly, you already got it. If you're a child in your room or a mama or a papa in a household, you already have authority in your realm, and you can speak after the Lord and say, oh, not today, not today. In your family, your children, you, can, you know you have authority, and you can pray. And I, you know, I, I take that authority, and there's a, an authority that I believe I have when my children are, are not adults, and then there's an authority that I have when they are adults. And I absolutely believe I can still bless and protect and speak life over my adult children as well as my children's children. That there's still an ability, because I'm always going to be dad. So I can always speak like a dad, right? I pray that way when I'm praying for you as a church family. I feel like, you know, the Lord's given me this opportunity to serve you as a pastor. By golly, I'm going to pray blessing and protection and peace over your lives and peace over your household. And you can do the same. What happens is, as you operate in the authority of realms that are already established, these are just, they're not complicated. When you go to work in your job, God's already given you authority, right? When you serve in the house of God or in leadership in those, you already have authority. You you don't have to wonder about that. But what God does is he begins to grow your realm of authority to then it touches other people's lives. Someone else is sick. Someone else is buffeted. And it comes across your path and you begin to say, you know what? We're just going to take authority over the enemy and tell the enemy he's got to go. And that is what the ministry that you saw Jesus doing was reaching out with that authority and touching other people's lives. When he sends out the 12 and he says, don't take anything with you except what? Your staff. Don't take anything with you except the authority and the identity of the Lord. That's all you're going to need for what's going to happen in in your life and, and around you. One of the things that I think is important to say is this working in a realm of authority is important. And there is a there is a boundary to our authority. What I mean by that is like I've had things where like somebody will call me and say, Hey, my cousin in West Virginia has got a demon. Will you go there and pray for them? And I'll be like, are they asking or are you asking? Well, I'm asking. I'm like, no, I ain't hunting for demons. Like, I'm not going out and looking for stuff. Now, if somebody wants to come or I'm in a situation in life and it comes across my path and there's an authority thing, I have a confidence that the Lord knew where I was going to be and knew the realm that I was going to be in and then I can operate in authority. It's a nice predisposition to have when you think, God knows my path and I've been prayerful about where I am and what I do and where I go. I'm prayerful about trips and all that kind of stuff. And it brings me a confidence that no matter where I am, there's an authority because God knew I was going to be there. So in those situations, I don't wonder. I just, we just step up and just say, God's with me. I don't need to fear. His authority and his grace and his power are right there. There's a, another realm that I want to share this with you in. Um, it's really common when... People are battling things like depression or anxiety. Um, To have moments where you feel like a heaviness just 
drops upon you. It's like somebody hit the light switch and all of a sudden there's heaviness. All of a sudden there's anxiety. And I just I want to talk about that for just a moment. To do that, I want to share with you that you know, you're made up of three different parts. You have your physical body, your flesh, your earth suit, right? You have your soul, which is your mind, your will and emotions, how you feel and respond in your decisions in life. And then you have your spirit, right? And when you feel that pressure that I'm talking about come on you, that happens in the realm of the spirit, where the enemy just kind of comes and you're just like, whoa, what just happened? And that's the realm where the Lord says, now I want you to speak with authority and tell the devil he's got to go. I'm quoting a song, by the way, I can't help myself. Um, Tell me he's got to go. Now, that work in the realm of the spirit is something that you want to, to know you can do and operate in and speak. But it's important for you to know that there may be things in your soul, experiences, life, and things like that, that God wants to actually go heal. Right? See, when we speak and say, enemy, you got to go, that's, that's what happens. He has to go. But there may be a work in your soul that God wants to heal. Does that make sense to you? There may be something physically going on in your body that's contributing to anxiety or depression or something like that. And the Lord may say, you know what, I want you to go out and take a walk and get some endorphins going. Or I want you to like something practical. The reason that I'm sharing this with you is this. Sometimes what can happen is people will take a struggle like anxiety or depression and they will make it only spiritual. And they're going to be rebuking the devil when God wants to heal their soul. Rebuking the devil when God uh, uh, you know, says... Get some exercise, go take a walk, right? Now, I'm not saying this so that you can be like uber introspective and like only think about yourself and those kind of things, but there's a wisdom in knowing how to interact with something, right? There's been times when, when a heaviness has come on my life and I'll tell the enemy, you can't, you can't have anything to do with me and I will have this sense like there's something biological I feel like that's undermining me. Lord, what do you want me to do about that? Or there's something in my soul and I will talk to the Lord about it. But having that, uh, that understanding of those realms will help you know how and where to take authority and where to receive the grace and provision of the Lord. Because sometimes people can turn their entire Christian walk into they're just walking around with their staff swinging at everything. And the Lord's like, I'd like to heal you. I'd like to make you better. And yes, we're going we're gonna to beat back the enemy as well. Does that make sense to you this morning? There's realms in your life where God has already given you authority. And there's places in your life where you will cry out and say, God, I need you to save me. God, come and rescue me. And his answer to you is going to be, get up and speak to the storm. Get up and speak my authority over the situation. And it's an amazing thing to watch God do it. And it's him bringing you in to a cooperation with him that he has planned for you. And it's a good thing. He's good at saving people, but he also wants to raise people up because he wants the authority that he's putting in your life, he wants it to spill over and touch other people's lives. It's part of how the mission happens and how other people are touched. And Peter looks at the 
the lame man says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have in the name of the Lord Jesus, rise up and walk. It's just a spilling over of what's going on in their own life. And there's a mission that the Lord has for us. And part of that mission is not being intimidated by the darkness or the harm or what's going on in other people's lives, but us having this, this confidence that, do you know what? On the cross, Jesus has paid for this sin. And on the cross, he's defeated and triumphed over all of these enemies. The problem is not the devil. That has been taken care of. We can speak to that. As a matter of fact, there's been times when people say, will you pray for me to be free from the devil? And I'll say, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, as soon as I pray, pray, God's going to set you free. But are you okay? Are you willing to clean house and not let him come back? Because there's a cooperation that has to happen as well. Would you stand with me this morning?